0: Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Ken. And I'm Randy Baker. And on the Thought Leader Podcast,
1: we talk to interesting guests who will challenge your thinking and create impact in the world.
0: Today's conversation is, is really great in so many ways. One of them is that it actually just, it, it isn't a, you know, placid, everyday, like we all agree with each other kind of conversation, which I don't think diversity should be. So we talked to Mauricio Velas- Velasquez today, Velasquez. Really, he's got a 30-year track record, at a 25-year-old company in the diversity space. and He has some pretty hot and interesting ideas around where the world has
1: gone. So you can imagine that after 25 years in the diversity and inclusion space, that the last five years will have been most interesting for him. And with 25 years of experience when nobody was talking about this stuff, this guy has it all together. He, he knows what he thinks and he knows why he thinks. it. And he's going to give you some thoughts
0: that you need to think about. So here's our... Heated and fun conversation with Mauricio Velasquez. All right. Well, great to talk with you. I have to ask you first about the extraordinary thing I see in the background. I have to kind of describe it for folks since since this isn't on video. Um, there are some feathers... Huh. Uh, there's a, what, what exactly is that?
2: Yeah, that native, uh, I spoke, uh, uh, to Bureau of Indian Affairs, native tribal conference workshop. There were 60 different tribes in the room and that was their gift to me. Actually, I have two of them. One on the other side, you can't see that was their gift to me. Uh, thank you for speaking, uh, at a, a tribal conference. I was the only non-native in the room. So it was, it was quite a, uh, quite a, an, an adventure, quite an experience.
0: That's awesome, and that's a, that's a perfect segue right off the bat into what you do. So what is it that you do in the world? What's the big picture? Um, yes. If you could yes. kind of just put your shoulder to the grindstone, make everything happen immediately, what would the <laughs> big picture be?
2: Well, I'm, so I'm president of the diversity training group. I founded DTG uh, 25 years ago, actually on a houseboat, and that's in the corner of the picture there, uh, on a houseboat in Nino Harbor in Baltimore. So 25 years ago, I started my firm and i had been in the business for five years. So I've been at this uh, diversity training, strategy, consulting, executive coaching, expert witness. I testify in court for 30 years. And I have to tell you, the last five have probably been the best given current events in the political climate we're in and hate crimes and everything. So I I work in law enforcement. I work uh, with utilities. I work with law firms. I work for a lot of not-for-profits, including the National Police Foundation's a client, Dominion Energy's a client, Major League Soccer's a client. I'm in all spaces doing my work.
0: So what is, I'm interested, kind of off the bat, so the last five years have been interesting. Yeah. Why? Um, I mean, obviously, there are, we all have kind of different perceptions of that. But then also, are you seeing progress? Are you seeing change? Where are things going?
2: Well, what we, you know, kind of the dashboard of our field, you know, hate crimes are up. Uh, workplace violence. I will argue there's bias and prejudice behind a lot of the shootings that we see, whether it's in schools or, you know, in a law enforcement context. So what I am seeing are are more people kind of realizing, wow, we still have these issues. If you remember when President Obama was elected, Washington Post coined this phrase, that we now live in a post-race society. Well, that clearly isn't true. uh, So I have clients with hangman's nooses, racist graffiti, Confederate flags, white power bumper stickers. I mean, that's one extreme. Then I have clients, their customer base is changing and they don't resemble their customers. So they're at best guessing what their increasingly diverse customers want and need. I have clients that the biggest shareholders saying, hey, why aren't you guys more socially responsible, more uh, uh, involved in your community? Why aren't you more diverse? So there are pressures externally uh, and Wall Street is really pounding the pavement kind of on the, co- on the corporate social responsibility side. There are lawsuits, so some people fear litigation. Then there are just leaders going, you know what, we've got to do things. This one CEO said to me, you know, Mauricio, up until now, I would describe our diversity and inclusion efforts as benign neglect. He said to me, now it's time to get intentional. I said, all right, let's do it. So I was, uh, you know, I'm on board with him.
1: Talk to me about bias, because bias is inherently internal, cannot be changed and it is something that I guess cancel culture makes us not want to be biased and does the does the pendulum swing too far the other way
2: okay a couple of things let's, let's unpack that bias is the meaning we attach to difference so it can be changed it's not internal it's actually external somebody has to whisper in your ear and say hey don't trust don't hang out with, don't be, if you've had children, you remember when they were very little, they would play with anybody with a pulse. But at some point as they get older, uh-oh, I'm not supposed to be with you. I'm not supposed to play with you. So actually bias is taught. Uh And what I, I'm i in the space of unteaching, reteaching, or teaching something new. And if you look at media, social media, if you look at the Facebook, I mean, they the hate the stereotypes. And, and remember, there's two kinds of biases. There are conscious biases. I don't like blanks. But then there are unconscious biases, and these are the biases that you are not completely aware that you have. For example, I was coaching the executive, and all he was doing was watching him. By the way, the board of directors asked me to coach him because they were getting a lot of complaints. He would talk over the women on his team and let the men finish what they had to say. He would interrupt, talk over, raise his voice when when the women on his team were talking. Men were just allowed to finish their point. So afterwards, I had videotaped it, and I, you know, I, I said, hey, let me give you some feedback. He's like, I didn't know I did that. I, I didn't know. I, I said, you didn't know you were sexist? Well, here's the problem. Everyone else knows, and they're complaining. Well, I think the women on my team were, are overly sensitive. I said, stop right there. It's the men who complained. A and B. You can't tell other people how to feel. So when an executive says to me I had no idea, I go, that's kind of your problem. You're the CEO. Well, I didn't mean it. Well, it doesn't matter what you meant. What matters is what you said. Well, I think they're overly. You can't tell other people how to feel. So I'm in the space of conscious and unconscious bias, and unfortunately, whether you mean it or not, it's always the consequences of your actions and how they fall on other people. I'm a behaviorist. I don't know you. I don't know what you meant. I mean, I can't read your mind. But you said, for example, CEO said in a town hall, one of my clients. I don't care about Black Lives Matter. I don't give a blank about that. Don't bring me that blank, just do your job. Now, how did it fall on the organization? Like a nuclear bomb. Now, one of his direct reports comes up to him, but I, I can't believe he just said that in a town hall meeting to the whole company. And he's like, and there were eight witnesses. What do you care? You're a white woman. Second bomb goes off and the board is ready to fire him because employees are leaving, quitting and furious. And by the way, the customer found out that would be a whole other situation. So I'm, I'm in a very uh, explosive space where people say and do things, as you know, because of social media, and in a nanosecond, there are consequences. And I, I see people, Stephen Covey said, you can't talk yourself out of what you behaved your way into. Oh, I didn't mean it. I don't know what you meant. By the way, it's not an apology. I had no idea. Now, the irony about like uh, a cancel culture, it, it is so hypocritical Or or, you know, we don't want to teach... Uh, CRT and we want to teach this historical, racial, critical race theory. Well, the people who are saying don't don't teach CRT are racists, right? And, and the biggest challenge I have in my work is that people have a bias about a workshop on bias. It's like being biased squared. But if we can push that all aside, ultimately is what are my blind spots? You know, what are biases, unconscious biases that I may not know I have? I can get feedback from others, uh, and I can be a better person for it.
0: So if I were to dive in with you on the first time bias kind of came across your path, I mean, you were two, you were four, you were five. I was a little kid. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. Great question. So, and this is the reason I'm a diversity trainer. So my parents are immigrants, and I'm walking down the street with my father. My father's from Colombia, South America. My mother's from Colombia, South America, but they met in New York City. We're walking down the street. I'm a little kid. I'm single digits. And this pickup truck pulls up. You won't be surprised by this story. It happened a couple of times. And this pickup truck pulls up. All these guys on the back of the pickup truck, and they're yelling at my father. My dad's darker than me. He's like, go back to your country. Go back to where you came from. And my dad turns. I'm looking at him, and he says, hey, I'm a veteran. I served this country, Korea, Air Force. Did you serve— And the racist on the back of the pickup truck goes, oh, you're a vet? You can stay. And he banged the truck, and the truck pulled away. And I looked at my father and said, what just happened? He says, I'll explain it to you. He never explained it to me. I figured it out myself. I call it a diversity pissing match. I see your anti-immigrant bias, and I raise you the wild card. Veteran status. Now, how many, this happened a couple times. How many times was the guy in the back of the pickup or the car yelling at us, a veteran? Never. Because veterans get it, right? They've seen the world. So in my work, we talk about conscious and unconscious bias. We talk about privilege, micro inequities, in groups and out groups involved in that is privilege. Like I can give you an easy example. My son gets in trouble in school and I meet with the principal and my son and the boy got in trouble. And I said to the principal, so what's going to happen? Well, your son will probably be suspended for two or three days. Wow. How about the other boy? Well, he's the mayor's son. He's a VIP. (laughs) In group, out group. It's that simple. Uh, uh, oh, you were speeding. Uh, you crossed double lanes. But uh, now that I know who you are, you're the son of our sheriff. You go right ahead. We're not going to uh, arrest you. We're not going to book you. I work in law enforcement. Happens all the time. That's privilege. If you're related, if you're a family member of somebody in law enforcement, everything's peachy keen. Take care. This is just a warning, right?
0: So in terms of kind of diving in on, on business, almost – it's fascinating to me to kind of watch Black Lives Matter ripple through business. It's fascinating to me to yes. watch uh, the Me Too stuff ripple through business. There's a lot of good happening, a lot of sure. ah, may, maybe not great happening, but it's things sure. are happening. So I'm curious That's as right. to what, where, where are we headed? What's, what's your, what's the big future you hope for?
2: Well, you, you know, one mistake people make is all Black Lives Matters. All are you can't paint them all with one brush. You know, this is like saying all Democrats are, all Republicans are, right? Uh, but what I do see is an awareness, organizations more savvy. Like one of my biggest clients, uh, their biggest stockholder is like, hey, how come everybody here is white? How come the top, the three lay, how come they're all white? Where is everybody? That's coming from the largest stockholder. And by the way the board members that are put there by these, like you are going to be our ally. You're going to bring the lightning and the flamethrower and you're going to so some of my clients, they're getting pressure from stockholders. Some of my clients, it's social media. Some of my clients, it's, you know, I I had them during this black lives matter movement. I had employees of my clients on Facebook, you know, calling them horrible things, using the N word and their employer finding out and firing them for their comments on Facebook. You never saw that before. you know. And I went to UVA and that's where Charlottesville is, Charlottesville, Virginia, my wife's from there. You saw, you saw people rioting in Charlottesville that when the employer found out who they were, they fired them, unheard of before. Let's take gender equity, sexual harassment. If you remember uh, uh, Fox, their CEO and founder who's now passed away and O'Reilly removed, it took them months. If you go to the summer of that year, two years ago, It was uh, Weinstein. They fired him in a couple weeks. Then you turn to the fall. This is all in the same year. These folks, uh, what's the guy from NBC? NBC, the the comic, the two newsmen, they are all fired in less than a day. So what organizations are realizing is if we are perceived as being racist or sexist or hateful, if we're perceived, whether that's true or not is another issue, but if we're perceived, Matt Lauer, uh, Charlie Rose, and Louis CK, they all go down in less than a day from the moment this came out to when uh, news was uh, that they were terminated. So social media is accelerating actions, consequences, accountability. That's what I'm seeing in our space. Uh, and, and cover up and good old boy and look the other way and turn the other cheek and sweep it under the rug. That, that's a thing of the past for a lot of organizations. Even Boeing recently put out a report that they had fired like 83 people that work for them didn't give us a list of their names, but said we fired them for racist activity. Look, I have clients today: hangman's nooses, racist graffiti, Confederate flags, a white power bumper stickers. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable in 2021 that these dynamics are still at play. But the last five years, we've kind of gone back 20 steps, unfortunately. Look, look, it was only last year where people were like, "What's Juneteenth?" It was only last year where people were like. Wait, what? What is this? Uh, a black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma? It's like really, this, and this this is why critical race theory is so important. If you had been taught critical race theory, you would know these things when you were in high school or college. But no, no, no. Let's leave this aside. Let's put the. Let's not let people know our true history, uh, and and we'll all be better for it.
1: But critical race theory, as I understand it, goes further than being just history. It attacks a whole lot of things that. You know, as a white person, I find some of those attacks offensive. Now, you're obviously very passionate about what you do, and I respect that. I have a question that nobody has yet been able to answer. Why, Please. Why do we talk in, if we look at a boardroom, which right now the boardroom is largely people look like me in you know, a public company. Right. Why do we not have a push from stockholders to employ the best people for the job, period? Regardless of race, diversity, we talk a lot in the last five years, we've talked about diversity and inclusion. Why are we not just talking about the best? Because as a stockholder, I want it to be led by the best people, regardless of what they're
2: right, Now, you're assuming that if they're homogenous, they're the best.
1: No, hey, I'm not. Here's a perfect I'm, example. That is not true. No, no,
2: no. The assumption is if they're all similar... Look, you understand the concept of a good old boy, right? You're, yeah, sure. Let, let me give you an easy example. All right. So I, I, I want Randy on my team. We go way back. I've known him for, for decades. Great guy. Well, how about Sally? Well, has Sally done the job before? I didn't ask if Randy has done the job before because Randy's in the in group, but Sally's in the out group. But this so is what, this what, what, what's this is what I'm saying.
1: We, we, we should be. We should, the outcry should be to get the best people, not to get the most diverse people.
2: Right. The best people, not one segment of the population. Correct. You know, path of least resistance is I know somebody, uh, let me call them. Wait, but is he? can he do the job? Ah, we go way back. We go back to Xerox or whatever. But we don't actually, it's only when the person is different do we actually actually kick their tires. So the movement to diversify boards. Well, let me give you an easy example. Look at your keyboard. Do you know why it's on the right side of your keyboard, the, the mathematical computational part? If you have a big full-size keyboard, it's always on the right. Do you know why it's on the right?
1: For right-handed people? It was designed
2: by a right-handed team of engineers. Yeah.
1: The same, the same it was as same: Yeah, the right-handed. Checkbooks, right-handed people.
2: Right. There you go. Now, here's a question for you. It was the first left-handed person that moved the mouse, not to the left, but to the middle on the next generation of laptops. It was a lefty, a Southpaw, at, worked at Apple, who said, hey, this is ridiculous. Move it to the middle where I'm 44% more productive because I can use both hands. You see, diversity Mm -hmm. adds value. Diversity adds perspective. Diversity is innovation. Look at your phone. Do you know why it vibrates? Because was a left, it was, it was, I'm sorry. It was a deaf deaf individual who designed actually the precursor to the phone, which was a pager. And he said, I can't hear this alarm, but make it vibrate. So the assumption, the connection, the science is the more diverse the team from different walks of life and different backgrounds, the better the decision-making. So when an organization says you have no women on your board, what they're really saying is, where's is the diversity? Where's the, the perspectives, the walks of life that make for better decision-making? That There's a connection between diversity and innovation. That's the push. Or the flip side is don't stack it with all your own friends.
0: Jimi yeah. Hendrix was a lefty and he played the guitar wrong. And that's why we got a whole... yeah. A whole new revolution.
2: Well, I mean, look, scissors, if you're left-handed, you pay more for a pair of scissors. That's called the diversity dividend. right? Golfers, if you're left-handed, you pay more. In other words, w- there are people, there are organizations in our society that see the value and actually pay, charge you more for it. Now, critical race theory, there isn't one definition of critical race theory. I mean, how you look at it, how you apply it. I- I'm all about teaching. History, don't leave parts of it out. Mm-hmm. That's my, that mm-hmm. is my definition of critical race theory, that there are in groups and out groups that things happened that people didn't want to talk about. I mean, how do you not teach Juneteenth? or How yeah. do you not teach the Black uh, Wall Street?
1: The reality is that the victors write history. So the more powerful write the history, the, the winners write the history, and they choose to leave out parts that they don't want right. to be there. That's right. Critical history
2: is you can't do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm fully in favor of complete history being known. That's the only way we can move forward.
2: You know know who developed the transistor radio? It was a physicist. It wasn't an electrical engineer. See, we just have to step back and go, where can differences actually add value? Customer service, uh, marketing. I mean, it's unbelievable what we're seeing in our society today.
0: Right. Well, and I'm a big proponent of critical race theory and that kind of thing. So for, for me, one of the, you know, when you're developing a vaccine and previously everybody that was tested on was male and white, it's like, oh, well, that's right. okay, yeah. if you want to that's see, right. <laughs> help white male people, but not if you want to help everybody. Right. Sickle, it so yeah, sickle right. cell anemia, why did it
2: take us so long? Yeah, sickle cell anemia, why did it take us so long? Because that's a black disease and our researchers are all white. I mean, wow. we could go on and on. There's plenty of proof of what I'm talking
0: about. So with all with all of this stuff, so so kind of circling back to business in a way, how do you yeah. keep the energy together to to do this work for 30 years and to be just driven by it? And I, I, yeah. um, and also, how do you make money doing it?
2: Well, yeah, I have to tell you, when I got into this business, I had no idea that this highway was not only paved with gold, but with platinum. Uh, every day I'm training, I'm coaching, I'm, I'm an expert witness, I'm adding value. Our clients are developing strategies and plans. It's, it's about the war for talent. You know. And as COVID, the cloud's finally clear. Why should I work for you? You don't treat me with respect. You don't treat me with dignity. I'm going to go work over here where they do treat me with respect and dignity. That's what diversity and inclusion is all about. You know, this move, this this big argument about, well, all these people are on the dole and they're not working in restaurants. uh, No, you know, my son's working in a restaurant. They just gave him another raise. He's making 14 bucks an hour. Why? And and when I worked in restaurants, it was 220 an hour. Why? Because they realized we were really underpaying our people for just absolutely crap work, right? So my son's gotten two raises in three weeks. They were like, you work hard, you come to work, you don't complain, uh, and we need you, right? So there's a free market movement, you know, that the great fist employers are realizing, you know, status quo, doing the same things we've always done when the workplace is changing, the marketplace is changing, the world is smaller. I mean, if anything, COVID has taught us you know, little ripple in, in Europe and boom, here we are again with another COVID, another variant coming through, right? You can't make this up. So we're busy helping our clients be the best they can be, be the best employers, win the war for talent, employee of, employer of choice. Well, guess what? A lot of organizations didn't care. As my CEO said, benign neglect. Now we care because nobody wants to work for us. We need to change the way we operate, the you know, status quo, destroy it. To find a new a new vision and then work towards it. If you don't define the destination, you never know when you've arrived. So we're helping our clients, in, in essence, kind of rethink uh, how they hire, how they source, how they hire, how they retain their talent.
0: I really love. I, I appreciate this this interview. I love when it gets hot and when we go through issues. And what's interesting, Mauricio, is that your energy is just palpable, right? It it. it sneaks through the screen sneaks through the audio and and that's you can see that that, that you're wanted yeah. yeah
2: I love what I do and the fact that I'm paid for it is a ridiculous side benefit and every day I'm I've flown 1.5 million miles in my career I've done this workshop in every state but North Dakota like I said I did it with Native American tribes I did this in Guantanamo Bay for the US Navy I've been in every nook you know I've gotten death threats you know, uh, uh, I sometimes have to go with an escort. I mean, you can't make this up, but I love every second of it. I stopped working 25 years ago. I love every second of
1: it. Yeah. That is awesome. So how can um, – we like to keep these podcasts relatively short and deep, and I love it sure. when we get a little bit fiery, and that's awesome. How can people get hold of it? How can they find you?
2: DiversityDTG.com. I've got some video on YouTube, Marisha Velasquez, Diversity Training Group. But DiversityDTG.com, you'll find us. We just revamped our website because we're 25 years old and I've never been busier. I see no end in sight. I welcome the opportunity to partner. We partner with our clients. We collaborate. We're not expert-centered. Rather, we partner and we collaborate uh, and add value. And there's a lot of value out there to be added. So DiversityDTG, Marisha Velasquez, I'm president and CEO and founder of DGG, Diversity Training Group.
0: So what's one thing we can, folks who are listening, if they could do one thing, uh, what's that one thing?
2: I think it's be present, be mindful, be aware of how your actions affect others. You know, who are you interrupting? Who are you not interrupting? Who are you mentoring? Who are you not mentoring? Who are you taking to lunch? Who do you never take to lunch? And why, you know, why do I favor certain, but I don't favor in essence, I, I, I'm kind of opposed to, you know, who do I trust? Who do I not trust? It's a complete paradigm shift. But, you know, who is my doctor? Who, who are the, Who are my advisors? Do they all look like me? Or do I really have a diverse team that adds value? Uh, and of course, are they smarter than me, right? Uh, by the way, the idea that diversity means we have to lower our standards, be very careful. Actually, diversity means you are upping your standards, not lowering them. That, that's a big, a big myth that people, oh, we're going to have to, really just because they look like you you think they're automatically more qualified right i know that was more than one thing
0: (laughs) no it's great so wonderful to chat with you um can't wait to see where you go with the next 25 years my
2: pleasure ken my pleasure Randy. oh you're the best thank you ken thank you randy take care peace everybody
1: So thank you, Mauricio. We really enjoyed that. We love it when we have a little bit of, uh, well, a great deal of passion shown by our guests. And you certainly have a passion, enjoyable conversation. I love being I'll speak with you openly and honestly.
0: Yeah, it's amazing to see when people really do voice, you know, what they feel and what they think and they do it with passion. And I think after when we chatted with Mauricio for one more second, he talked about you know, on the balls of his feet, you know, uh, just really, you know, uh, speaking from the heart and you know, it was fun, uh, fun to really be a part of. So if you feel like you want to be on the balls of your feet and, um, kind of go to the next level in your business, you can come check us out at thoughtpartnergroup.com. And
1: up on the top right hand corner, you will find, uh, I think it's the top right hand corner or it could be the other right hand corner, a little button that says assessment will take you about a minute of your time. We'll spend a minute looking at it and give you a response and maybe give you some really serious help that you may just need.
0: And we're going to keep uh, having uh, interesting, crazy, wonderful, strange, um, yeah, sometimes downright odd conversations with thought leaders. And um, we hope you come back uh, to listen to us the next time. If you'd like to, you can click on the subscribe button or rate us five stars if you want to rate us one star, you can keep the review to yourself. So,
1: hopefully, you will subscribe and get to listen to all of our episodes going forward. Talk to you again soon.